Welcome to the Core Women Podcast, the place for women entrepreneurs, authors, and self-starters looking to build community and gain valuable insights through expert interviews with women at the top of their game. Join your host, podcaster, producer, expert coach, entrepreneur, and author, Dr. Summer Watson, as she aims to inspire and empower you through these candid conversations. Lean in and embrace the journey. It's time to start the show. Here's your host, Dr. Summer Watson. Today on the show, I would like to welcome Heather Robbins, a doctor in physical therapy and a high-speed healing practitioner who will talk about her professional journey and her personal journey of healing, being a mom of a son with profound deafness and the loss of her husband from cancer. We have so much to talk about today, Heather. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very, very grateful to be here. It is a pleasure. Oh my gosh, just so that folks know, Heather and I have been following each other on Instagram for a while, and this has been a long time coming. So thank you so much today and every day for sharing space and sharing your story on Instagram. But thank you today for sharing your story with me and the folks listening. So before we jump into your professional journey, I'd like to ask you a question. Can you describe your journey thus far in one word? Well, there are a lot of words that could describe it. The word that comes to mind as being what my journey's hinged on, I guess, is um, belief or believing, believing in the universe and the goodness that is out there and possible for me and my family, um, for others, believing that there are miracles and magic possible in every moment, whether I can see them or not, believing in myself and my capabilities and my ability to keep going when things got very, very difficult. Um, I, I found that I didn't believe any of those things. <laughs> and so as I came up against certain things, I had to really hone in on, on that. And so belief or, or believing is, is really profound for me. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I love that word. So thank you for sharing that word with us and why that is so important and meaningful for you. So let's get into your background. So can you give us a glimpse of where you grew up, how your journey took you down the path of energy medicine, where you became a certified high-speed healing practitioner and found your soul's purpose and interest in bioenergetics, epigenetics, multidimensional soul alignment? Tell us a bit more. Uh, well, so I'm from Indiana originally, and I had the thought to become a physical therapist pop into my head my senior year of high school when I took anatomy for the first time. And I found the human body to be incredible. I was amazed and in awe and just thought it was the most incredible thing I'd ever encountered. I kind of toyed around with physical therapy my, my freshman year of college. Um, didn't really think that it was something I wanted to do. I'd never had physical therapy, so I didn't really know what it was, but the thought was just kept coming to me. 
And in my business classes, my freshman year of college, I realized I am not, this is not interesting. So I, <laughs> I decided my sophomore year that I was just going to take anatomy and physiology again. And if I loved it as much as I did the first time, then I would do what I needed to do in order to be able to apply to PT school. And that's what I ended up doing. I loved those classes and just, again, found it to be fascinating. And it was much more in depth, obviously, because it was college. And so I just jumped right in. Um, I realized very quickly, though, that my grades were not going to be the very best. And I was loving philosophy. So I decided to kind of go a different route than a lot of people who go into medical professions where I, I got a BA in philosophy, uh, but took the prereqs I needed in order to apply to PT school. And honestly, it was that that got me into the PT school that I went to because I, I ended up interviewing with a professor at University of Miami who was the she ended up telling me after she asked me what my favorite uh, philosophy courses were, which were ethics. I took quite a few of those. And she she said, oh, well, that's so interesting. I was the head of the APTA Board of Ethics for years. And I thought, wow, wonderful. That's why you chose to speak. Um, but it really, it provided me with a different perspective. And I fully believe that's why I was accepted there. And Again, that avenue was incredible and very eye-opening and, and a really beautiful introduction for me into what the body is. Um, it was very in-depth of neurophysiology, anatomy. Um, I mean, we did the spine and we had so many different courses in that program, um, in that doctorate program. But it was my health coming out of PT school and then ultimately a couple years later with my husband that kind of took me down this path of the energy healing. I knew nothing about it, had heard of energy things, but that was way outside of my periphery. And it was really just, I said one day, okay, let's give it a try. I'm I've got nothing to lose. Let's see what this is about. And so I had a couple sessions and I actually, it was uh, an experience with my husband. He had a, a high speed healing session that it was one of those intuitive moments where I thought I've got to know how to do this. I need to become a practitioner. Mm -hmm. And so I spoke with the woman who her name's Deborah Wayne and she it essentially, this modality came through her and she's been teaching it to people now for decades. And I spoke with her and she said, let's do it. And so I, I started that process um, in 2019 and it opened my eyes to even more of what constitutes and, and makes up our human bodies, the physical body. So as a physical therapist to learn different reasons for pain and different reasons for physical ailments and issues, I, my mind was blown. And then from there, it's really taken on the whole concept of 
not just the energy body, but we also have the mental body and the emotional body and our spiritual bodies make up the physical body. And I have personally seen with myself and my husband, my kids, clients, that it is in working in those realms and with those bodies, multidimensional healing that provides the physical healing that I think so many of us are looking for. And that as a physical therapist, if I had known all of this 10 years ago, I could have been so much more helpful to a lot of people who came to me with physical pains, but maybe my physical therapy evaluations weren't necessarily showing the physical pains that they were coming to me for. And so I felt like my hands were tied as a physical therapist. Um, but now in addressing physical ailments in this way, there's so much room for shifting and growth and healing and aligning that it's, it's profound. Yeah. I can relate to so many things that you are talking about here and especially with the energy healing. I think that's so important. I lived in Japan for three years and during that time, There was a lot going on with my body. I had just come out of surgery prior to moving to Japan. I had just finished a doctorate myself for after five years, a military spouse. There was a high level of stress. So I thought, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Like, how am I going to help myself and, you know, bring down this stress level? And I felt I was just super exhausted. And so I started looking at different modalities of treatment and acupuncture and unblocking some of those energy pathways. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so great. Furthermore, it was in a country where it was established, number one, you know, number two, it was nothing. It was $20 per session. Yeah. To include massage. So I was just like, oh, this is amazing. So I wanted to go all the time. (laughs) Well, it's profound when you start to shift and um you know the acupuncture the reiki the high speed healing it's all different yeah but it it affects you in very similar ways so well there's that which i thought was so important but here's the other thing that really resonated in your story for me is as a practitioner in human services in the psychology field I started really delving into Adlerian psychology and Adler was a very multidimensional, multifactorial assessment. Uh, he, he brought that into the world of psychology and really kind of reframing. It's not just one thing that contributes to your mental health, but there's multiple things that contribute to your mental health. And yeah. so as I began to study that and work in the field and look at these different modalities of treatment, I knew it wasn't just one way that human beings healed, functions, proceeded with their life, and what that looked like if they were being challenged by mental or physical health, what that really looked like for that that human being and, and their functioning. So when I started working in deeply into the clinical field, and doing assessment day in and day out, 
it wasn't just one thing I would ask about. Of course not, because that's not what makes up the human being is one thing. It's multiple things. So when you talk about that, it really does resonate with me because we know as practitioners, as we evolve, it's never just one thing. And if we isolate one thing or forget to ask about different things, we could be overlooking something. Yes, yes. And and for physical therapy, even just going in and working with a, a patient, I worked in a skilled nursing facility and going in and, and working with them, I was always essentially as well like a counselor or psychologist per se, because you're dealing with people who have fear of moving. Maybe they've just had a surgery or they have had a a whole life before I'm meeting them. And it's their conditioning, their patterning that you're working with and around in order to get them up and moving. When most people in, in that kind of facility or even in an outpatient clinic are not feeling well, they're coming to a physical therapist because they're not feeling well. And so you're navigating not just the physical, but the mental and emotional as well. And so for me, again, that piece was always very interesting. And I loved that the rapport that I got to build with patients, but taking it into this next level, kind of like what you're speaking about too, really understanding how to tap into these other pieces to facilitate really holistic well-being. It's about guiding each person because each person is an individual and their path and their way of getting to that well-being, attaining it, maintaining it, and then sustaining it (laughs) is different for every single one of us. And helping people tap into that through kind of the coaching piece that I do. And then with the energy pieces, it's just been really interesting. I've just oh, been awesome. of it all. <laughs> I, I love it. I love what you do because absolutely what you said is perfect, holistic. Because people come to you, you have to do the qualitative kind of pulling out research assessment of how are you feeling, getting the story Then you do the quantitative where you're asking for the numbers, you know, tell me from one to 10, how do you feel? And so you go, so you've got the story and you've got the numbers, right? And you've got everything in between. And sometimes we forget like, oh my gosh, I need to ask this, or I need to ask this. I'll give you a, for instance. So as I sit with people and I do these assessments, Many times you would think, well, somebody in the mental health field, they're going to ask about your mental status. They're going to ask about, but if we forget to ask about, okay, so medically, what, what's your history? Have you had any ear problems? Have you had any, you know, urinary issues? Have you had any, because sometimes what we forget is, oh my gosh, somebody's telling me they feel like they're having a psychotic break, but what if I missed that they've had an ear infection, haven't been able to sleep because this has been bothering them and they haven't gotten a checkup, then I'm overlooking something and boom, that could have been the issue all along. So there's so many dimensions of health and well-being that we need to ask about. 
because we could be overlooking something and it could even be something in the spiritual realm. Yes. I will say though, for me right now where I am, I'm not really even practicing as a physical therapist. I'm not diving into a lot of the kind of physical issues and taking a lot of that kind of qualitative number piece because ultimately what I've seen and found is that at least in what I'm looking at doing right now, it matters most about, again, what the person is feeling and how leaving the, the shifts or the, the experience or the situation. Um, that's one of the things I love about the energy modality that I do. It has nothing to do with me as the the practitioner. It doesn't matter what I experience or what I feel. It's always about what did you notice? What came up for and, you know, labeling something as good or bad or a one or a 10, it doesn't ultimately with this, I've found matter because Mm -hmm. you could be perceiving a physical pain, but there's an emotional component to it. So do you have to label it with a number? in order for you to feel it and then release it. And then it's gone. Yeah. I get it. Um, and so but you, but what you're kind of bringing up is really beautiful where there is so much potential. And it's something I've thought about of really going fully into that kind of full PT medical job title and bringing all of this in. Right now, I see myself as a multidimensional physical therapist who's more specifically kind of focused on those, the realms that you can't take that qualitative information from. (laughs) Well, the qualitative is the story, right? And so the quantitative is the numbers. And so, you know, and I always thought there's importance for both. Like, this is just my perspective, because when you go into the doctor's office, they always ask you first, how are you feeling? They yeah. want the story. And then they'll give you the sheets and go, okay, now fill these sheets out and let's get to the numbers or whatever. And so they can like process their data and such. But the yeah. story from a researcher's perspective, like I'm a phenomenologist. So the story was always really important. And that is a qualitative approach or method to research. So for me, yeah. that story was really important. It was first yeah. story, then the numbers came later. But yeah. I thought there was an importance for both, right? Mm-hmm. So let's get the numbers. But first, tell me your story. Because your story is going to tell me a lot about yeah. your mindset, your functioning, your feelings, like all of those different things. And so I do love how you're bringing your high energy healing into your life, into others' lives, and how that makes a difference. Because all these modalities have importance because we all function differently and what helps somebody can be something you're practicing over here, but something you've invested into your practice, like this high energy healing. You've kind of given us an idea of how this has evolved for you. Let's talk about another part of your journey. Let's talk about your son. So tell us a bit more about your son, that history, how you recognize the deafness and yeah. Tell us more. I want to hear more. Well, he was born and failed on one ear, the newborn hearing screening. And 
so it was kind of on our radar that there was something and they always say, oh, it could be fluid. It could be fluid. Um, our daughter, though, who was four and a half years older at the time, we'd just been dealing with getting her hearing tested. There's no hearing issues in my husband's or my family, but we were seeming to have two children here that had issues. And it was shortly after my son was born that our daughter was found to be moderate to severe in hearing loss and needing hearing aids. And then we started really with the testing with, with my son. And I mean, he, he seemed to turn to our dog barking. He seemed to turn when we were speaking to him, but we just weren't really able to get good test results at the audiologist. And so they recommended that we do what's called an ABR to test the hearing. And at that point, he was 14 months, 15 months, and was all over the place. So he had to be sedated. And so we took him to the hospital to do that. And it was about an hour, maybe hour and a half. And then they pulled me back and said that he didn't have any stimulation in the nerves at all. And that came back as profound deafness in both ears. And so that was December of 2020. And so in 2021, we began discussions about the cochlear implants, hearing aid trials, kind of going down that route. As I held my son and the audiologist was telling me that they you know, were finding that he was profoundly deaf, I had this immense sense of peace come over me. And as she started talking about the cochlear implants, I, I just had this feeling that that wasn't for him. It definitely was a discussion that my husband and I had a lot. And again, we, we actually went and spoke with two audiologists, he, our son ended up having to have a CT and an MRI just to make sure that everything was okay in there. Mm-hmm. And we actually had the surgery scheduled a couple times, but I just, that mama intuition just kept saying, this isn't, this isn't right for him right now. And we did do the hearing aid trials and he, it was like, he had a reaction to the stimulation. I was staying home. And so I was with him all the time and I could see a change from when we started the hearing aids, his, his cheeks were really red. He was very irritable, really agitated, stopped eating really well. His poops changed. It was like he was stressed Mm. and we couldn't really keep them in for very long because he was agitated. Yeah. So I, Part of that was me seeing him and being like, I hear you. I see you. Any kind of stimulation beyond this um, is is not right right now. Um, now he's a little over three and he's in a deaf and hard of hearing preschool here in our area. And he wears his hearing aids every morning when he's in class with his friends and he doesn't have any any issues with it. So something happened with his body where he grew and became able 
to sustain that kind of stimulation. And we're just working on whatever his little soul wants at this point. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. And, and what a journey with that as well. So that is really interesting. I, I really wanted you to talk about that. So should other people ex- be experiencing something like that, either for themselves or with a loved one, maybe some of the things that they would be able to recognize or rule out or the possibility of going to see A, B, or C, because we live by experience, uh, our own experience and through those of others. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. So let's get into the next part, which is your husband. Talk about your husband, his diagnosis, and what that meant for you, him, your family, how that impacted you and how that was a big part of your journey. It absolutely was. We got married in 2012, the day that Superstorm Sandy hit Northern Virginia and the East Coast here. So they say when it rains on your wedding day, it's good luck. I mean, I don't know when a superstorm hits and what happened in our love story. That's a, a good <laughs> here, but um, we were able to have a beautiful ceremony in, in Northern Virginia outside in late October with a superstorm swirling around us. So what's <laughs> But it was about six months after that. So in like the spring of 2013, he started having a lot of what he could describe as stomach pains. And he was a really beautifully tough man. Um, He was in the army. He had cancer in high school. He ran ultra marathons. I mean, when this man was in pain, you you wouldn't really know. So if he was in excruciating pain, you would know. Um, And that's how it it was up until the end here. But he was not feeling well. He ended up vomiting and finally said, okay, let's go to the ER and ended up having a bowel obstruction, which was completely unheard of to us at that time. And he ended up having surgery maybe a month later And they had found that his appendix was completely obliterated and that it was essentially a tumor. And they couldn't figure out if it had grown from the colon, which is where your appendix rests on, or if it had come from the appendix and had gone into the colon. So anyway, they they took that out and the discussions for chemo came up and they essentially labeled him with a diagnosis of colon cancer. And I mean, at that point, how old were we? It was 2013. You know, he was thirties. He was in his thirties again, running ultra marathons. I mean, we ate fairly well. And so it was a very big surprise to us, but he was told let's do 12 rounds of chemo. He opted for 18 to make sure that everything was taken care of. That's the kind of man he was. And was deemed after that good to go. And so in 2014, because he had had cancer in high school, his parents had the the foresight to freeze his sperm. And so we decided once all of that was done, that life's too short, let's try to have a baby. Um, And so we had to go the IVF route. And um, it was in the summer of 2014, we found out we were pregnant. And that was 
wonderfully easy. We were blessed with with an easy situation in in that respect. Around the end of my first trimester, though, we found out his cancer came back. And that ended up leading us into uh, where we went up to Philadelphia to the Cancer Treatment Centers of America. And he ended up having a what was deemed then, and I don't know if it still is now, a pretty controversial controversial procedure called the HIPEC procedure. Essentially, his abdomen was cut and anything that looked abnormal, the surgeon removed any cells that looked abnormal. And then tubes were put into his abdomen and hot chemo was pumped through. And all of this was while I was six months pregnant. And we ended up spending two weeks up there because he ended up getting hospital acquired pneumonia and hospital acquired sepsis. Oh, wow. We came home and at that point, you know, we're just a couple months out from having our daughter, but it was not an easy recovery for him. We ended up in and out of ERs and in and out of Philadelphia again, because he just couldn't tolerate eating. And I want to say that he opted to start chemo again, just again, to make sure that he was doing all that he could. And so he started that right before our daughter was born and really was on kind of maintenance chemo for a few years. Mm -hmm. It was in 2017 though. So our daughter was born in 2015. So a little over two years later, he began seeing a nutritionist here in the area and she tests via muscle testing and essentially energy testing and on the diet that she found would be most helpful for him. And with her supplements within two weeks, the bloat that he had put on was gone. And he actually then was able to start working out on CrossFit while still on maintenance chemo. Um, every two weeks. And so he really, it was just kind of at that point, like we were maintaining at that point. And, you know, I want to go back and say that when he was found to have that tumor on his appendix and he was looking to start chemo, we hadn't even been married for a year and we had just started looking at houses. And I looked at him, we went to dinner one night and I looked at him and I was like, well, what do we do? Like, we just got married. We're looking for a house. Like, do we keep doing that? Like, what do we do? And he looked at me and he said, well, Heather, we don't, we're not going to stop living. So of course let's just, let's keep doing. And so really that was what we did. We just kept living. And we, so, you know, we bought a house um, in 2013 when he was on his first rounds of chemo, had our daughter in 2015. And it was in 2018 that we decided to try to have another baby and he was still on chemo. And so we had our son in the fall of 2019. And again, when I was pregnant, his cancer came back. And I mean, really, it just kind of from that point on, there was a lot that just kept coming for him. The chemos just didn't seem to be working, obviously. So he started a lot of trials. He's probably going to roll his eyes at me because I'm going to say this wrong. I I think he was on a chemo pill for a while um, instead of the infusions. 
And there just were a lot of side effects and a lot of things that affected him, again, mentally, emotionally, energetically, the whole gamut he was affected. And it was in 2021, the spring of 2021, where symptoms really began with his esophagus. His cancer was spreading more from the abdomen and kind of going everywhere. But it wasn't, I want to say it was when we were in Philadelphia in 2014. So like a year and a half after he was diagnosed with colon cancer, with the testing they had up there, they realized it was actually appendiceal cancer, which is very rare. And so, but they essentially still treat it the same. Um, And he had some mutations and that's what allowed him to get on some of these different the chemo trial and it had to, you know, had to line up for some of that, but the appendix cancer doesn't typically go to the esophagus or bone, which is where his was starting to go. And so for me, as somebody who was already kind of navigating these other realms of energy, you know, looking at thought patterns and belief systems and emotions and modalities like Louise Hayes, heal your body and um, mantras and all of that really started coming to me in the last couple of years. And I certainly couldn't force him to do things for himself, but they became very healing for me and what I was able to how I was able to continue on. And so healing my mental body, my emotional body, while I witnessed his journey, um, a lot of that became very powerful. So what ended up happening? He ended up having somebody recommended to him down in Florida who has a, a holistic clinic who just treats cancer very differently and, and sees people who are kind of at end stage and has like a 75% recovery rate with the way that he treats. And so Trip, my husband went down there at the end of September to start a 10 week treatment with him and actually ended up coming down with pneumonia. And he was down in clear water at the end of September, when I forget the name of the hurricane, like it literally went through down there, um, right, (laughs) right south of him. And so he was already in the hospital at that point. And I ended up being able to go down there with his sisters and his dad. And ultimately, he ended up being put on a ventilator, and I had to do comfort measures and um, go through that whole process. The one thing that came to me as I was witnessing this and and going through this with him was that this was a soul. This was a man who literally did everything he could. There's nothing left on the table. There was all of this for years, praying for healing and praying and searching and seeking for that which would provide the healing. And, you know, ultimately, physical healing was not in the cards while he 
maintained for so much longer than so many people do in their journey with cancer. I mean, his story involved energy healing and the energy modalities and all the way from high-speed healing to Reiki to chiropractic to acupuncture to supplements to diet to sound healing to emotional, you know, the emotion code, which I ultimately feel I was able to provide a soul healing for him. So there wasn't the physical healing, but there was a spiritual healing, a soul healing, mental and emotional healing that ultimately led, I believe, to the the spiritual and soul healing that he had. And so I believe in reincarnation. I believe that his his soul, his energy is still here and it's much lighter than it would have been um, if he hadn't gone through what he went through and experienced what he experienced. And so, you know, yes, like the physical body isn't here anymore, but I believe that we're all just energy anyways and energy is always changing. So he just shifted out of that body and moved into one that vibrates higher. (laughs) Yeah, I get it. So thank you for sharing that with us. There's so much to the evolution of your story, your family's story. We've covered a lot of ground here. I so appreciate you being on the show today. So as we come to the close of the interview, if you were to leave the listeners with some words of wisdom, what would they be? So I would invite anyone who's listening who might be going through a really, really tough time to shift your perspective, if you can, from thinking and feeling that life is just out to get you and you just cannot win and things are so difficult, they will never change, to believing that every experience that your soul draws to you is refining you and it is guiding you to the things that you are praying for, praying for patience. You're going to get a lot of opportunity to practice that. If you're praying for miracles, you're going to get a lot of opportunity to practice seeing that everywhere. And so allowing yourself to be refined by life, by your experiences, so that you can become that higher version of yourself that you're praying to be. That perspective allows you to embody that and step into that and and embrace the difficult circumstances that you're, you're being asked to walk through. And I am a testament that when you face your fears, you're still going to be here. You just might look different or feel different or think different, or maybe you'll be in a different body. I don't know. (laughs) Well, thank you, Heather, for joining me on the core women podcast today. Thank you for having me summer. Absolutely. You can follow Heather Robbins on Instagram at Wake Up Brave, Facebook at Way Shower Wellness, and at her website at WayShowerWellness.org. Thank you for joining us on the Core Women Podcast with Dr. Summer Watson. We're so glad you're here and would love to connect more with you. 
Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Core Women and on Twitter at Core Women One. For more about Core Women and Dr. Watson, visit corewomen.com. Want more support and resources for amazing women like you? Great! Join Dr. Watson and Jen Fontanilla at the Life, Love, and Money Collective, a core women production that aids in understanding the key traits that might be getting in the way of living a life that you are absolutely passionate about. Connect with Summer and Jen and find out more at thelifeloveandmoney.com.